Okay, she's our producer. Nice. She's worth every penny. How's it going? It's going okay. <laughs> Excellent. Let's just go right into our correction corner. All right. Do it. So last week's show was a little odd because we were sort of test driving a, a different program called mm -hmm. Anchor. Yeah. Uh, it was a little asynchronous, which I didn't like. Um, at some <laughs> point, it seemed to to shift it, so you were almost answering questions before I asked them. Oh. Uh, that's where I noticed it the most. So it, it, I think it shaved off about a half second. And it, I corrected a few that I could. but um, And then the other thing was a little noisy. Mm -hmm. and just gener generally didn't care for it. It was a, it was a little noisy, yeah. Yeah, it it's supposed to synchronize it on its own because we were both connected to the same recording session mm -hmm. versus the way we're doing it now, where we're each recording our sides and then mix them together in post. Yeah. But the other thing about that is mixing them together in post with the two isolated sides, it can cut out a lot of extraneous noises that happen when the other's talking, for example, or just a lot more flexibility in editing. So mm -hmm. we'll stick with our system we've been doing. It's, well, yeah, for now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But only for now. Do you know uh, Avenue Q? Avenue Q, sure. Sort of a, a Muppet-related uh, <laughs> show, Broadway musical for adults. It's Muppet adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, I mean, not, not officially Muppets. Muppets with this, not a capital M. <laughs> it's quote-unquote. <laughs> it's just, that's a, that's a song in there. I don't, I'm not familiar with the whole show. I just know that the, about the show. Hmm. I haven't seen it, except for the one song that you shared me, with me the other day. Well, is that your music chair? Good. Uh, I mean, I... Stick a clip in there of, of that. It is really good. It's probably the best song in there, but yeah. All right, well, maybe that'll be... We'll see. The, the, we'll see what happens. I stumbled upon a documentary called The Lost City of Cecil B. DeMille uh, <laughs> okay. on Amazon Prime the other day. Oh, right. And I know what this I, is about. Sure. And I haven't watched the whole thing, but um, it, it's an interesting thing where a... Uh, a director, um, Peter Brosnan, mm -hmm. kind of found out about some... Well, he was always interested in the big productions, you know, Cecil B. DeMille and company back in the early days of Hollywood. The Ten Commandments and King of Kings and all that stuff. The, the huge casts of thousands and giant sets and things. <laughs> so he talks about some of the history of Hollywood in that regard. <laughs> right. And... <laughs> oh, sorry. Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. And he found out sort of a legend that when Cecil B. DeMille filmed the first Ten Commandments, they went up northwest of Santa Barbara and built the largest set ever built mm -hmm. for the uh, the giant gates of, uh, I don't know, it was an up Egyptian to then. Up to then. Yeah, up to that point. You know, like 300 tons of plaster to make the giant statues of uh, Ramses and Sphinxes. <laughs> yes. 
Sphinx-Sai, <laughs> <laughs> giant city gates and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. At any rate, when they got done, the stuff was so huge, they decided to just bury it because they wanted to sort of get rid of it without having to haul it somewhere mm-hmm. because the whole point of doing it there was to save money. When he went to his uh, his production guy, Zukor, I think, he said, I want to film in Egypt, and Zukor said, no way. So they made this deal with the town of Guadalupe <laughs> for, like, they rented the Guadalupe Dunes for, like, $10. So, so they were able to get all the stuff done up there on the cheap, relatively speaking, because mm-hmm. they would have still had cast of thousands and still had all the giant crew and everything, but this way it was no travel cost. So at any rate, it's all about him going up there and trying to uh, mount an archaeological expedition to rediscover this stuff that was buried in the sands. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. But one of the first things they did was know, was find out that it really was there. Mm-hmm. The whole buried, so. I think it should be expected. But it's a little... Uh, I, I view that one as a corollary to the one where they went in search of the abandoned, the buried ET cartridges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar story, I would say so. Yeah, in New Mexico. Was it New Mexico? I, I guess so. maybe. Yeah, just the landfill full of. Mm-hmm. I mean, to hear the legend speak, I thought it was a little, maybe a little long. Yeah, but it was still. Um, I still enjoyed it. It's good. Mm-hmm. Good journey. I like. Yeah, they didn't just do that, but they did the uh, behind the scenes of the <laughs> um, the whole arcade. Well, not the whole, but they did a brief sort of arcade craze mm-hmm. movement. Uh, yeah, and then um, the the conversions of. Yeah. games to the Atari 2600 with its you know four colors right and very blocky graphics it was a it was an educational sidebar i guess maybe yeah yeah um, to really understand how hard an engineering job a software engineering job that was that's a i mean honestly hats off as bad as those games often were <laughs> sure <laughs> good yeah i don't i it, it's been a long time since i saw that if i if it's not a new one Maybe I read a book about it. Maybe that's the Was deal. Was that the ET thing or the no the velocity? Yeah, the the Ten Commandments set. Ah, might have been either either that or a, like a very long article, long form article, like uh, you know, like a New York Magazine <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of feature, where it's yeah. just dozens of pages, but not a book. Yeah, they did the expedition in '85. Hmm. To go find it, so yeah. this was uh, this was clearly an older uh, an older video. Yeah, I feel like I've seen it. They, I guess I don't know, rediscovered and yeah. slapped up on Prime. It is pretty remarkable to look back. It's not it's not something you really think about because there was so much map painting and model building and compositing that has been done, and now of course you can build anything in CG. So why would you yeah. build a right. <laughs> giant practical set? But yeah, it's uh, amazing amounts of stuff used in the structure of all these massive edifices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was watching a behind the scenes of uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame and they built a full size <laughs> yes. Notre Dame right. in uh, North North Hollywood or uh, Granada Hills maybe, somewhere yeah. up there. Right. And it was there for, for decades <laughs> and finally burned down. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's huge. And yeah amazingly accurate yeah <laughs> if not well it wouldn't be more impressive because it wasn't made out of stone no <laughs> uh, <laughs> but almost as impressive mm. craftsmanship you know to recreate so much of yeah. the details there excellent superb stunning craftsmanship mm. you could say all those yeah. things i think yeah. yeah you finished another thing what was it well i just like moments before we started recording <laughs> yeah. i finished uh, the bojack horseman series and it inspired and, you to uh, jump to the jump to the airwaves 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, what did you think of the the last season, say? Um, it was a bit rough. <laughs> yeah. uh, I liked that the way they wrapped up just about all of it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there was... It didn't have to be a, a feel-good moment. No. Right? But there were, there were enough of uh, it not being feel-good leading up to that last episode that I was worried mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that it was going to be gonna be all yeah they did a great uh, job making him sympathetic again mm -hmm. it's a it's a struggle to watch the show you you want to like Bojack but he's often a terrible person but then he also has had a ruinous childhood Mm -hmm. and tries to cope with it in various psychological ways I I especially like the writing this time and I I remember going through a show or a series of scenes and then Bojack will seem eloquent and really almost above it all. Mm-hmm. And then he'll say something really dumb <laughs> and shallow. <laughs> so I, I had a hard time with that on occasion because it, it was the kind of thing that when various writers are changing hands and writing for different characters, you know, each writing for the same character, it can vary how they see the intelligence of the character in a sort of similar way the, the early writers treated Homer in different ways depending on the show and the writer Yeah. so sometimes he would be really really stupid and sometimes he would just be apathetic but have a, this undercurrent of at least average intelligence <laughs> <laughs> so I just didn't get the sense a lot that there were four or five writers basically trading off shows which is a credit to the, to the series for sure yeah at least it seemed like they, the same people watched the show throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They kept coming back to certain themes, certain moments, callbacks that made sense mm-hmm. throughout the series. So, yeah, it wasn't just a odd... I, you know, when we're related, relating it to The Simpsons, there are pseudo-callbacks, yeah. attempts, you know, like with Comic Book Guy or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's not the same. If you've been there from the beginning, yeah. you notice, no, that's not quite right. <laughs> so, yeah, with BoJack, it seemed to be appropriate most of the time. Although really tough in a lot of spots. And it got tougher after the first season. It definitely changed, it, well, it seemed to change path. And I don't know if they had it in mind from the beginning or not, where they were going to go in the story arcs. Mm-hmm. I haven't read, who's the creator, show creator? Uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg. Ah, there, okay. Parodied as, um, oh God, I can't remember now, the, the writer of the TV series, the writer of the de- detective series. Filbert. Yes, Filbert. Exactly. <laughs> that writer is a, an obvious, you know, parody. Now that it's over, I want to read, you know, do some research into their thoughts about it. Yeah. So we find out. But it seemed to me it, it was going to go one way from the beginning, and mm. then uh, then it kind of turned. But maybe they were exploring it and finding where it goes. Deciding the, the series or this season. The series mainly. Oh. Okay. You know, and then, sure. Yeah, and then they of course had to, I think, put a lot of thought into the season six to figure out how they were going to wrap it. Mm-hmm. I think they did a good job. It, it definitely had some weird moments on purpose, like with uh, Diane's introspection when she's trying to write, but going through her, <laughs> should I take the, the focus in or not? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Right. They explored other other avenues to show the different people's uh, inner mind. It was an amazing balance between dealing with real issues and mm-hmm. throwing in a bunch of jokes. Yeah. It was very sensitively handled to a lot of times the tragedy mixed in with the humor. Bojack's coffin speech, was that last season or this season? The which speech? When his mother dies. Oh, the eulogy? The eulogy. No, but yeah. yeah the, 
where he's just stream of consciousness? Yes. I think that was season five. Okay. And then his breakdown in this sixth season, rehab, return to rehab, <laughs> relapse, <laughs> and downfall. Yeah. It was just devastating. Really? Yeah. Well, he said, you keep thinking you're hitting rock bottom. Yeah. And then you re- realize there's an even rockier bottom below that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't pull any punches. He went to jail. You know, he didn't. <laughs> didn't get away with things, really. Kind of. A little bit. But at the same time, as a celebrity, <laughs> well, I don't want to say get right back up on that horse, but... <laughs> yeah. He has a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well done. And not tying everything in a bow at the end. No, not exactly. It was ironically satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Reverse satisfaction, is that a thing? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for this, I don't think. <laughs> I still, I had some deep affection for a lot of the characters by the end. Mm-hmm. Todd was yeah. starting to annoy me through yeah, the I, I, sixth I'm not, season. I don't know. I have to, I have to step back uh, for a bit, probably, before I decide mm-hmm. how I feel about how they treated him by the end. <laughs> right. You know, on the one hand, good. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, what about Todd? Yeah. <laughs> right. But Todd, he is uh, very different. <laughs> so that's okay. I, I love, I love the Mr. Peanut Butter arc how they how they got him yeah to and he realized some stuff but still remained himself sure in a lot of ways sure sure speaking of hollywood mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't particularly like to speak of persons having arcs it's just they're different people at the end that is a very life like story trait yeah you have to think about it for a bit i, I understand there may be more later maybe we'll return you've had mm-hmm. some digestion. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. I remain a huge fan of all the, the freeze frame moments. Sow West Airlines. Sow West, there you go. And it was, it's pink with like a muddy bottom mm-hmm. of the plane. Yeah. I had to uh, super freeze <laughs> and then I can zoom just a little bit from uh-huh. letterbox to, what is it, four to three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could catch that the uh, writing on the plane. Interesting, all right. And what was the, uh, what was his sex machine executive's name? Henry... <laughs> Fondle, Henry Fondle. That's Henry right. Fondle. Yeah. <laughs> I was playing the hokey pokey with some work colleagues. <laughs> you know, let me tell you something. I was at the office the other day doing the hokey pokey with some work associates, uh-huh. and I realized everyone misunderstands that song. The hokey pokey. Yeah, there's way too much emphasis on the hokey pokey part. That is what it's all about. No, that's exactly what I mean. That's not what the song is saying. Okay. <laughs> Hey, what's the... I sent you a little thing. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, my music share <laughs> is a music teacher, Makeshift Macaroni. Makeshift.macaroni on YouTube. Yes. She is has written a little song called How I'm Handling Online Teaching. <laughs> and uh, so we are, we are here. School is closed for the year. And everybody's trying to figure out, quote, distance learning for all, end quote. We're all going about it in similar but unique ways. Mm-hmm. And she sings this little song. It uh, realizes our, our sentiment pretty accurately. Hey, so as some of you guys might know, I'm a music teacher, and I found that one of the best ways that I can process the whole transition to online learning and teaching is to write a song. So I wrote a song. I'd like to share that with you guys now. Here we go. So, 
It's so much better with the visual. We'll we'll link. That's true. We'll link the video. Yeah. It was originally a TikTok, super viral mm-hmm. amongst all the teachers, I'm sure. Yeah, so that is true. We're expected, on the one hand, expected to produce content, <laughs> but on the other hand, we're not core teachers. Uh, yes. uh, so try and keep it light, keep it simple. Uh, they're only supposed to have a half hour a week. Half hour? <laughs> That's their normal class time. Oh, uh, I see. No real assignments eh. either. You're just giving them a brain break. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So uh, I was listening to my friend who's still teaching in Arizona, and they still have that thing going where you have A teachers, which teach the core subjects, and then B teachers, which (laughs) teach the other things. I was like, oh, great. uh, That really makes us feel super good. (laughs) Just use the Zootopia line. Oh, there's a them now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have more credits than all of you. You try taking your education classes and preparing for a recital <laughs> and doing your rehearsals with a large ensemble. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, let's oh. get out of here. All right. Good day. Okay. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> if you oh, I forgot. No, there is an outro for us. Uh-huh. We blanked for a second. Yeah. If you if you want to send us an email about your coronavirus frustrations, <laughs> you may. Uh, send it to bros at it's just called two brothers.com. Yeah, if you use the Twitter, you can tweet it as at IJC2B. And read the uh, newsletter, we'll link in the show notes the yeah. link, the extremely complex link. <laughs> yes, it's a button down dot email slash pronologus, P R O N O L A G U S, or you can go to my website at marcusharwell.com and there's a link. Oh, that's on the left. Actually link on the left. Um, yeah, I just sent out uh, edition 11 as we were recording this show. Ooh, good for you. Multitasking. Mm, yeah, that's what I do. Why does everything have to be so hard? Maybe you'll never find your purpose. Lots of people don't. But then I don't even know why I'm alive. Well, who does, really? Everyone's a little bit unsatisfied. Everyone goes round a little empty inside take a breath look around swallow your pride for now for now nothing lasts life goes on full of surprises you'll be faced with problems of all shapes and sizes you're going to have to make a few compromises for now Avoid for now. For now. For now.